Ooh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. Wait a second. Children of all ages? Isn't this show rated explicit? Yeah, that doesn't sound right. We're going to be using a lot of adult no-no words. Ladies and gents, we're proud to present to you the Spinning Our Gears podcast. As a reminder, the issues, views, and opinions discussed on the podcast are those of the hosts and their guests and do not reflect those of any department, agency, city, municipality, state, or country. All stories, characters, and individuals discussed on the podcast should be considered fictional for entertainment value, especially if there's any Blue Falcons listening in. Listener discretion is advised. If you don't like it, hit the big X and find something else. Otherwise, without further ado, here are your hosts, Turk and Swagger. Welcome back, everyone, to a very, very special holiday episode of Spinning Our Gears. I'm Turk. Swagger's getting his third nipple removed. So today, you've just got one cop spinning his gears. No, in all seriousness, Swagger and I had a really, really cool episode planned for you guys today. We were going to do a very special interview on location. However, old St. Nick decided to bring us a blizzard for Christmas. No, not blitz in. We still haven't found him, and the Risen Warrior guys are still pleading the fifth, but a blizzard. Not sure if you guys can hear. Wind is blowing like crazy in the background, so just like in law enforcement, how plans change, court pops up, weather affects us, sickness, injury, things like that, we're going to kind of call an audible on the fly. Instead, we're going to bring you a very special episode. Now, this episode we had planned for our year-on anniversary, which is in about a month or so, but... Due to circumstances out of our control, we're going to bring it to you now. And be on the lookout for a very special Alpha Charlie the first of the year instead. Nonetheless, very excited to bring you guys this episode. And if you kind of think about it, with the new year coming around, it's a great time to reminisce. As people plan for the next year, they have to kind of think about what happened the year before. And that's exactly what this episode is geared towards. We're going to take a look at our first year as a podcast. We're going to take an old walk down memory lane. So with the snow falling and the wind blowing, and I'm sure all of you looking for an excuse to get away from the in-laws, sit back, relax, and let's dive in. Swagger and I started this podcast almost a year ago now. We've been planning it even longer than that, but we had a lot of different things in mind. We had a lot of different plans for it and a lot of different goals. But one of the big goals was to focus on leadership as well as officer mental health. And we thought, what better way to decompress than to tell a few stories? And... That's where our first episode took us to. Well, not the introductory episode, but the episode after that episode. During that episode, we talked about what it was like dealing with some of the crazier things in law enforcement. And as I open the door, she then flings the blanket off of her again, which that was (laughs) that mentally scarred me and it will scar me for years to come. The paramedics are just asking her, you know, random questions like what's going on? You know, what, how do we get here? And I sometimes I don't know why they ask these questions because the person's clearly talking nonsense. Like, they're not going to give you a story for why they ended up naked in a, in a parking lot. But yeah, the, he who's the president of the United States? Like, I mean, yeah, like, right. Figure out where they're at. Well, the one paramedic goes, well, what's wrong? And she in the most strained voice that you can imagine goes, I'm hurt in. <laughs> and me being the 
the idiot that I am asked a rookie question myself. And I go, well, well, what are you, what are you hurting? Is there something we can get you? And she looks me dead in the eyes and she goes, yeah, yo dick. (laughs) (laughs) So I, I drop my head, I shake my head and I just slowly close the doors and I walk away. And I heard about that. Well, to this day, I still have that other senior officer telling me about that every time he sees me. Oh, I mean, it was that was an epic call. I mean, <laughs> when you close that door, like when you close ambulance doors, you know, those things slam and they're loud. Right. You closed it the quietest I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> Got to tell you, there's nothing like dealing with a mental patient, that's for sure. I don't know if you guys could tell, but Swagger and I were still a little bit nervous. First episode, second episode audio was terrible uh fun fact that was recorded in my truck at least my part of the audio was but we definitely didn't have our feet under us yet we weren't really used to being behind a microphone not much like sovereign citizens though and ironically that's what our next episode was about and i'd like to bring you a clip from that episode talking all about sovereign citizens but actually we took it for another turn midway through the episode which made for some laughs let's take a listen built in the video See that that you, you you know you're explaining the shock belt. I'm starting to think like that sounds like it's something that would come off of like the the show Jackass. You know, like they would try that out and just see what it what it did. <laughs> well, I don't think you'd have kids for a while. That's for sure. Well, I think you'd probably be done. No, Marvel's be fried, baby. Dude, this thing was so medieval. Like they had to go dig it out of a closet in the basement. They didn't even know where it was or if it had a charge, but they're like, well, the judge wants him to have it on. So he's going to have it on. Could you imagine the rookie and told to go find the shock belt running around? Like, do we even have that? I could, I could go into stories. Maybe I will one day of some of the shit that we had in that jail, or the, the techniques that we had in that jail, the shock belt was one of them. And these guys, it, I guess to kind of make things full circle, the last episode we talked about dressing a naked guy. Well, in this case, we had to dress a naked guy who was somewhat cooperative. We had to put a shock belt on him for if he got a hand and his balls were going to fry. Wow. I've, you know, to be honest with you, I've never known that that existed. Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a new one for me. Um, like, like I said, there's a lot of shit that I didn't know existed until I worked in a jail. Like I would have been that rookie running around like, is this a sick joke? And, you know. Like, is this, well, like, you know, like, are they raising me, like, on the, trying to find something for hours? Right. Yep, the good old shock belt. I remember it like it was yesterday. The kind of funny part here was that Swagger talks about feeling like a rookie and being hazed, but in the next episode, we got onto a topic where we talked about how we were smart enough to use our seniority to kind of stay out of the muck, if you will. Well, muck, or crud, or diapers however you want to explain it but the bottom line was we used our seniority so we didn't have to go in any crappy houses (laughs) get it diapers crappy houses yeah whatever let's take a listen to our very first listener suggested topic well yeah that's it i mean definitely you know i wonder how much would it take for you to how much money would it take for you to go stay the night in that type of house oh I mean, that's, that's, real. that's a different level. Cause like we've talked about like houses we've been in or like buildings where you're like, that place is haunted. What would it take to spend the night? Right. I don't know, man. Like, I like, you, you have nowhere to sleep. You have to sleep on the floor. <sighs> I mean, I'm, I'm thinking I'm way over a mill. Well, easy. I mean, first off, I don't know that I'm sleeping. 
right? Well, yeah, I think true. I think I'm probably just standing in a corner all night long, crying yourself to sleep. Yeah, and I don't know. Like, you have to assume at some point you don't notice the smell anymore. Oh, dude, the door opened up inside that that house, and this is middle of winter. There's you know two feet of snow on the ground. Yeah. And when I got outside to get like the bed bugs off me, I pretty much dove into the snow. Yeah. And then I, it was. I don't think that over 24 hours, you're probably still smelling that smell over a 24 hour period. Yeah. And my, then uh, you're not I'm, sleeping. No, no. I, I'd have, yeah, definitely over a million. I don't, not a penny less than a million and maybe even more than that. Yeah, it, it my my nose, I had that smell, which mind you, this is during COVID, you know, and like if we've you know, if you've had COVID and you've lost your taste of sense and smell, you know, I'm sure you probably could have smelled that residence. Yeah. Like so, I, I would almost bet my paycheck on that. Oh gosh. Just remembering that episode gives me the skeevies and takes me to a dirty, dirty place I don't ever want to go back to. I still don't know how much money it would take for me to spend the night in a house like that. You know, that, that show kind of ironically talked about a few different topics that we would address in later shows that, you know, we could jump into and we will at some point in this episode. But the funny thing with that last clip when we talked about Dirty Houses was we put that that episode out much quicker than we had intended to. Swagger and I still really weren't, you know, comfortable under the mic. We were kind of getting our traction underneath us, but we had to put that episode out quickly because we had one of the greatest opportunities I think we could have had. You see, when we started this whole thing, we had inspiration from another podcast. And that whole that podcast was the whole reason we, we jumped into ours. And because of that, I reached out to the host of that podcast and I said, hey, would you mind giving us a listen and just you know critiquing us and, and telling us where you think we could do better or what we are doing good now? And the host of that podcast you know, hit me back up and he said, yeah, absolutely I will. And then he was generous enough to bring us on his podcast. Those of you who've listened to the Spinning Our Gears podcast probably know what I'm talking about, but let's take a listen. Talked about it like in season one. It's never fucking Chatham Tanum. It's never fucking <laughs> like that fucking guy with the weird eye from Aquaman. Uh, what's right. his name? I don't know. Yeah, that guy. It's never them. No. It's always like Coco with like one eye. And a droopy lip, <laughs> and a weird you end up losing cleaner, your hand you know? somewhere for a little bit, and you're not sure where it went. Oh yeah, dude, yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, I tell you, you know, I used to, I got like, especially in the um, the Crown Vicks, which were really fun. I loved Crown Vicks. I got to be like a real expert looking through the rearview mirror and knowing whether or not somebody was taking a piss in the back of my car. I got to be <laughs> an expert, and let me tell you, that's not good like that's not <laughs> that's not normal you know like i would like look in the rearview mirror and i'd be like motherfucker this motherfucker is pissing in the back of my fucking car and you could just tell man they got that face they're just like oh, oh. and then they get all happy because their bladder is yeah i don't know yeah yeah the lean back that's when it's over it's like <laughs> that was very good times. I don't know if you could tell, but I think Swagger and I were actually more nervous for that recording than for our first several recordings because, in all honesty, we were fanboying out like crazy. We are a huge, huge fan of the Roll Call Room podcast. 
And we can't thank Nick Ruggiero enough for bringing us on, kind of showing us the ropes a little bit, and just welcoming us in, welcoming us into the community, bringing us on his show, which he didn't have to do, but just kind of guiding us to where we're at now. And I mean, in all reality, I think that episode truly helped us branch out to not just local here in Iowa, but we've had listeners from all over the country, which is an incredibly humbling, humbling experience. Which is really kind of ironic because our next episode focused on people that aren't really humble at all. Uh, We kind of focused on people that are a little bit douchey out in the public arena. So much so that Swagger had to tell us a story about a time he almost threw Lowe's down. Yeah, I'm on the treadmill running and he's like, I can't hear myself freaking think. He goes over and turns it down. So I'm like, what the fuck is this guy's problem? You know, and me, you know, at the time, you know, I'm trying to be a cop. You know, this is before I was a cop and I'm like, yeah. I'm trying to be a cop. So I'm trying not to do anything. And, but that, that was hard for me to do when I was, you know, six years ago. You know, I always just kind of said what was on my mind, even no matter who it was. So I'm like, I'm glad I didn't say something to that guy because he probably would have killed me. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Tied you up into a pretzel yeah. and dumped you. <laughs> right. Right in front of my, at the time, fiance. And then I probably, yeah. Like, damn. Well, I guess, you know, obviously working out and, just being in better physical shape than most is a, is a huge thing for law enforcement. Your life's on the line every day. You never know who you're going to come across. You don't want to have a heart attack on duty, if anything. Right. So I'm sure that that a lot of people in law enforcement have or go to public gyms and have had to deal with this stuff. So it's kind yeah. of what I brought it up for. Well, and um, another one that's kind of a pet peeve of mine is that if there's you know you and a couple other people in there and you got the control of the, uh, the stereo, you yeah. know, the radio – don't go in there. I had somebody come in one time and change the radio. Oh. And I'm going, wait a second here, lady. I was here before you. So, you know, that's how this is going to work. When I'm done, you can change it. So, yeah, but I, I was like, I'm done. I'm not even going to not even gonna engage with that because you're going to get a wild Karen probably. And Yeah. Thank goodness that Swagger didn't get into a fight, didn't decide to bring the smoke against a Karen because he probably would have got arrested and we would never get to see him now on this podcast. So. It, it was about this episode, though, that I think we started to get more and more comfortable with recording. It seemed to be a little bit more normal. And we told a lot of stories and had some fun. And we kind of decided that this was about the time where we wanted you guys to get to know us a little better. And we started to tell a little, some more personal stories. With those stories came ups and downs and some emotions, but also a lot of pain. Maybe not the pain that you're thinking of. I'm just kind of sitting there hanging out. And it gets this weird, deathly quiet at first. And I hear the proctor of the the scenario telling the handler to get your dog, which basically just means put the dog up. We're going to reevaluate. It's not going, you know, not so much the dog's not doing correctly, but we just need to reassess and then go at it again. So I heard that. I heard him t- uh, telling her that. And then I heard, like I said, it was pretty deathly quiet for some reason. And then I just heard, uh, I had to replace my name. <laughs> I heard, uh, <laughs> I heard Turk, she's coming. And I look behind me and there's a 60 pound Belgian Malinois running at me at full force behind me. And the way that this was set up with the stuff that I was hiding under, there was no way for me to move or to like hide behind something. This dog was coming at me. I remember for some reason, picking my leg up to try to kick at the dog. I just kept thinking like I've been bit in the hands before and that 
sucks balls. Yeah. Uh, especially like long, like long term afterwards. So I remember thinking if I can get my foot up and deflect the dog, it'll slow it down and maybe we can kind of figure it out from there. Well, I had this like glancing blow with the dog kind of like knocked her back, but then that movement just kind of rightfully so pissed her off. And yeah. so she bounded back and then jumped at me and latched on behind my knee, just slightly above it. And I remember kind of letting out a holler. And then I heard, I heard the handler go, where are you? And I'm oh, like, God. oh, fuck. Like, <laughs> like, they don't know where I'm at. And it's just me and this dog. I have no equipment to save me. I can't shoot this dog, obviously. I didn't have a taser like you did. And the dog was just kind of thrashing a little bit. And I, I want to say that it was maybe 30 seconds, 45 seconds before I took action. It might have been quicker because adrenaline was pumping and it just seemed like that long. But what I eventually had to do, I had came to the realization, it's just me. I'm the only one here to help myself. I did what's called taking the dog off strong. And on the off chance there's somebody listening to this that's a suspect, not a suspect, but just someone who doesn't like the cops, I'm not going to tell you tell them how they do that. Right. But I, I was able to get the dog off strong, which then also frustrated the dog. And she tried to turn on my arm. Luckily, I was able to hold her down and just hold her there while the handler finally got in and took the dog and took the dog away. I remember kind of the adrenaline wearing off and kind of having an adrenaline dump. All the other handlers that were there that day come rushing in. And the one guy, like I had full pants on and he just kept telling me like to drop my pants and they had to look at it. And I was like, dude, just give me a fucking second to catch my breath. And then you can look at my ass. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like, I guess they take you out to dinner first. <laughs> well, yeah, right. Like, I mean, are you gonna sweet talk me or rub my shoulders or anything, or just drop trap? Yeah, it's funny to look back on it now and laugh. And certainly on days like today, when it's super cold outside, my knee aches. I look back and I remember a very special canine that I got to bond with for a little bit. But in all honesty, I wouldn't take it back for anything. I wouldn't trade it in for anything. It makes me who I am. The ironic part with that episode is that Swagger and I both talked about injuries that happened to be to the same knee. We both had right knee injuries at the same time. Very, very weird. But I think the real pain in all this is that gosh darn audio quality. I just, I can't get over it. It was very, very difficult editing these episodes because I felt like we were putting out great content, a great message, lots of laughs, and y'all had to put up with that poor audio quality it would skip in and out it would lag and we just kind of kept asking you guys and begging you guys to stick with us we'd figure something out and amazingly you did i don't know why i really don't know why you guys listened to us today but we thank you for that and not only did you guys stick with us we actually picked up an associate at this time really really good company called emory heart and we haven't mentioned them as much in the podcast lately i think it's kind of just one of those things where you get to talk about this topic and you kind of forget about some of those things. So I'd like to take a second now and play that ad read for you. Emory Heart Designs is a mother and daughter owned business. We started out making bracelets and we have now added personalized gifts, drinkware, and koozies. We are proud to partner with the guys at Spinning Our Gears and fully support the work they are doing. Please check us out on Instagram and Facebook at Emory Heart Designs. 
Emory Hart is a, a very, very good company. They've got some really cool stuff over there. A lot a lot more like uh, jewelry type stuff, things like that. But they do, like they said, drinkware and koozies. That's where our first product was released. We had the Spinning Our Gears koozies that sold out like crazy. Quite frankly, we were honored to have someone be willing to put their name associated with ours. And we'll certainly do a much better job of getting them out there and talking about them on the podcast. Um, they've they've been fortunate enough to have associates in sales in all 50 states now. So they're growing and doing some awesome things, and we couldn't be prouder of them. So with this partnership, we kind of realized that there was a bit of a, a responsibility on our shoulders at this point. People were entrusting in us, and it was time to return that favor. We realized that we needed to get back to our roots, and we needed to put an episode out on one of the things that we'd been focusing on, the whole reason we started this podcast. We knew that we had to do an episode on leadership. We weren't quite ready audio-wise to do it. We were still kind of doing the old method that wasn't producing the best, the best audio to you all, but we felt that it was time. So we recorded this episode, and I'm not going to lie, it was pretty controversial. We had a lot of feedback on it good and some negative but it was an important episode for us and just like with the injuries wouldn't trade it for anything we would do it again and again so take a listen into some of the controversy we put out there (laughs) to this uh your management rule you know you need to make sure you were there one time but you need Mm -hmm. to you need to back your grunt you know, you need to back your line personnel, take a concerted effort into their, you know, their well-being and all sorts of things. But, you know, make sure you're getting out there and helping them and providing them with what they need, whether it's training or different things on the on different calls or, or whatever to to help the shift be successful and everybody goes home safe at the end of the day. Yeah. Well, and so let's, let's cover that, too. Like if you're hearing these things and it pisses you off, but it's not pissing you off because you think others are doing it, it's probably because you're doing it. Right. Don't be, don't be pissed off. Fucking change. Yeah. Right. You got it. I'm sure you were a good cop at one point. Be a good cop again. Yeah. You didn't, you didn't get into this profession being a bad cop, right? There's the, the checks and balances in place to become a police officer um, are substantial mm-hmm. and it, it is actually a pretty hard field to get into. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to have a lot of, you know, a lot of background, a lot of polygraph, you know, MMPI stuff or whatever, um, you know, mental health evals and all that stuff. But you know, you, if, if you change for the worse, you can always change for the better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, you, there, there was some reason you got into a career field where your life could be taken every day and you're not getting paid what a doctor gets paid. Yeah. So, and then, I mean, along with that too, if, if people are fucking changing shifts to avoid you and it's pretty obvious <laughs> that that's taking place, yep. man, you need to start looking yourself in the mirror because I've seen that multiple times where it's like, I'm thinking about going another shift because this next go around this person's going to be on my shift. That's terrible. If these people are are affecting their home life so that they can just avoid you for the eight, 10, 12 hours a day, they have to be with you, man, check yourself. Right. Cause if that's happening, then there's a, you know, if one person's thinking that you can almost guarantee that another person's thinking it and it's mm-hmm. not, they're just not doing anything about it. Like they're not going to change their home, home life um, because you're on a shift. Right. Mm-hmm. But if somebody did it, like they're actively avoiding you, then there's somebody else that's also thinking the same thing. That's not actively avoid. Well, and I've seen, I've actually seen some decent supervisors who just their personalities aren't great and they won't do anything to try to like manage that around their subordinates. And they've got people trying to avoid them on shift. Like the personality thing is just as bad as you 
not being a good sergeant. Right. So. Yep. Ironically, even though the audio isn't the greatest, just the quality of it all, I think the message is so, so important with that episode. In fact, that would be the episode that I recommend to any potential new listeners. You want to know what Spending Our Gears is about? Listen to this episode. Like I said, we got a lot of feedback on that one. Messages rolling in, uh, people talking about how they're either in law enforcement or other fields and they're experiencing the same things that we were talking about. A lot of people kind of took them down a bad memory lane, had a little bit of, I guess you could call it PTSD just from hearing some of these things. The listener feedback that we got on this episode was, like I've said multiple times before, not only in this episode, but in this past year, incredibly humbling. And just hearing that we've been able to impact one person or multiple people is quite the honor. And after this one, we realized that we were off and running. We realized that our message was starting to get heard. You could probably tell that we were, we had a restrictor plate on us a little bit. And those of you who've listened throughout the whole year, you know why. You know that eventually we left that department. We did everything we could to save it. And at the end of the day, we had to look out for our own mental health. We're still trying to make changes, even for that department. We're still trying to make things better. Uh, we we got a lot of people there that we love, and we want to see them succeed. We want to see them live better lives than what they are right now, what they're being subjected to. But like I said, we knew that we were off and running. We knew that this whole idea of impacting leadership was huge. And what better way to make an impact than to try to reach out and help out some of the rookies out there. And that was our next episode, was talking about rookies. That that nurse can ruin your career. Your coworkers can ruin <laughs> can ruin your life too. I'm talking everything from getting fired to losing your pension. Fake pregnancies, I've seen that. I've seen just yeah, keep your dick in your pants. <laughs> yep. <laughs> like it I, I don't get it. I really don't. Um, yeah, that's uh that's that's a yeah, that's a good one because you know there's a lot of rookies that me and next you know they're <laughs> shat. Yeah. Fired. Um certain yeah, there might be rookies that go almost all the way through the academy and then their first day on FTO are fired because of relations <laughs> that they have at the academy. Relations. <laughs> um <laughs> It well, just it, it. The main thing is this: like, ten, <laughs> Tinder. What? What? No, just, what, are, what are you laughing at? I, I'm just thinking about that. That's funny. <laughs> um, <laughs> fuck. <laughs> Lost train of thought. Sorry. What? No. What I'm trying to say is like, Tinder is a thing, right? Bumble is a thing for non-first responders. Okay, that shit is. It's a young person's game. And it's not for people carrying a badge and a gun or a firefighter's helmet or, you know, whatever it is. We have a different lifestyle, a different responsibility. Keep it in your fucking pants. Yeah. And and if some girls, when you go and ask you to hand, you know, just walk away because yeah. uh, you're, you're setting yourself up for some issues there. There's definitely probably going to be an IA involved. Um, so, yeah um avoid them at all costs so well this is my my advice i learned this from an fto that i actually hated at county it's kind of surprising that i learned this from them but every interaction 
act as if your spouse or if you don't have a spouse, your mother, your sister, your grandmother is right behind you. Mm -hmm. And if the way that you're acting during the interaction would embarrass you to that person, don't fucking do it. Exactly. So, yeah, now, now that we're past the dicks and pants, and I think that's pretty clear, and I think everyone understands that. My last one is it takes a lifetime to build a legacy of good, but only one mistake will ruin it forever. Yeah. That's um, some deep shit. Yeah, I, I try to be I try to be deep as I can. We talked about being the the redneck philosopher and I'm trying to live up to that name. Perfect. It, you can do something right 99 out of 100 times and you do it wrong the one time, that's what they're going to remember. It's not going to be the 99 other times that you smashed it. So you got to have your head head on straight, you have to be locked in and you got to be prepared to be perfect every day. Couldn't agree. That's good advice to to take a hold of. So and it's real deep. Like you said, <laughs> yeah. philosophical of you. Yeah. I've I've never that. been I've never been uh accused of being deep before, but that's a I'll, I'll, I'll give it a shot now. Day one. I think your uh your next profession after uh after your law enforcement, you're gonna have to go out and mm-hmm. do some like speaking to uh you know the public, the general public. We we're kind of finding our groove here really. We realize that we can make an impact, we can make some suggestions try to help people out along the way and we could maybe do it in a funny way uh, obviously <laughs> talking about keeping your dick in your pants that's a pretty heavy subject but if you can find a way to take it lightly we will <laughs> anyway uh swagger mentioned there about me going out and being a public speaker that's not going to happen definitely not going to happen this is as public as it's going to get for me speaking wise but you might uh you might just consider what he said there being a bit of a blue falcon (laughs) which is very good and very fitting because our next episode probably one of our funnier episodes was all about blue falcons or a subordinate stop a car leaving the bar where your girlfriend works at (laughs) he might be a blue falcon oh man (laughs) you care to dive into that one at all no I'm gonna just go ahead and (laughs) Give me your next one. There. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, I got I to watch what I say on those. Uh, <laughs> although it would be epic and maybe on part two of Blue Falcons and training. Okay. Uh, we will we will disclose that information a little further. <laughs> you might be a Blue Falcon if you have plenty of time to get gas in the squad, but you don't. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you didn't have that problem for a while. No, but yeah, I like to make the joke. Work. I like to make the joke when everyone was bitching about having like a quarter tank of gas. But like, me too. That motherfucker who drove this before me didn't. <laughs> My damn canine's not filling this thing up. <laughs> he doesn't have opposable thumbs, you jackass. <laughs> it's got to say the same thing. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, hey, look. Look, if you've ever stopped to help a turtle cross the road, it's literally written down as number 14. We'll cross that one off. <laughs> that one's done. If you've ever shit your pants while riding with a partner, you might be a blue falcon. <laughs> or 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 you shit your pants as you're doing the squad changeover and then <laughs> right there. Okay. Okay, are you thinking of the same person I'm thinking yes. of? Yes, I am. Mm. New newly promoted person? Uh well, yes. Yes. Yep. Okay. Yeah. May have shared a <laughs> may have shared a car with that guy and so, so, 
Okay. Love the guy. Okay. Love the we, guy. We've got to tell this story now. There's there's a very senior officer at our department or our ex department, I guess, that he claimed one car, even though like every time it would get you know swapped out, like they'd get a new car and swap it out, he would still claim that car, that car number. And we've got a guy who has recently been promoted to sergeant that shared the car with him. So he would drink protein shakes and eat <laughs> eggs all night long so that he could shit his pants in the seat. <laughs> so that when the senior officer would come on in days, he'd open the door and almost pass out. <laughs> That's a vindictive shit. <laughs> no love in that place, man. Jeez. <laughs> Buddy fucking I, all around. I thought it was funny as hell. Oh, oh man. Okay. Yes. All right. I uh yes, you we are thinking of the same person. Yes, okay. All right. That's so bad. Cuz you know you know there's going to be somebody that listens to this and goes, I'm doing that same thing. <laughs> or we just inspired a whole generation of cops. <laughs> oh, shit. There's going to be a lot of divide in departments. Across, I mean, these, these people out here are going to be shitting themselves in cars. Like relationships are going to be broken. Divorces are probably going to happen. <laughs> I really love that episode. I think I listened to it no less than 10 times. Uh, that was probably the first instance of you guys getting to experience Turk and Swagger being what we like to call a little punchy, a little punch drunk tired. I think we recorded that thing. It had to have been like 11 o'clock at night, maybe even midnight. And at this point, Swagger was a day shift guy. <laughs> and I was still an overnight guy. But when you get that late into it, just some funny stuff gets said. You have to kind of watch yourself every now and again. The nice thing, though, was our next episode, we didn't have to watch ourselves. We didn't have to worry about being punch drunk tired because we recorded it much earlier. The reason we did that was because we had our very, very first guest on the podcast. Very, very cool moment. This was awesome for Swagger and I because although, yeah, we hadn't got the audio where we wanted it at, we got to bring on someone we knew was a great leader. Someone who was a bit of a role model to us, but then also a very, very close friend. This episode, we took a look back into leaders again. We got back into those roots again, and we welcomed Sergeant Zeke onto the show for the very first time. We haven't had him on since, but something tells me he'll be making another appearance or two this next year. The dose of chemo and it's, you know, the cancerous leadership. I think that that really, um, to reach out to us, you know, from other agencies as well, because I've had people, you know, throughout the whole state, um, actually in the, in the, throughout the country, um, that I'm friends with reach out and say, you know, that they're experiencing these same things at their agency. And it's just the, the, you know, the issue with leadership and it's just, it's a, it's almost like a pandemic in itself of something that's just spread throughout within that we need to try to get rid of, you know, with, you know, the chemo side of it. So yeah, that episode's huge. And then, you know, obviously this episode, Sergeant Zeke on about positive leadership and, you know, kind of the, um, set yourself forward in that aspect to make the change for the is going to be a huge, uh, huge hit as well. We, and we set the record straight too. I'm, I'm not a sergeant. <laughs> you are <laughs> to us. Yeah. And, and you know, what's funny though. I mean, you know, I listened to you guys 
you know, say that about me that, you know, the good things and the nice things. And I appreciate that a lot. You know, but bottom line is um, looking back at it, I probably did not take that promotion for the right reasons. It took a little bit of time to realize, you know, maybe the entire period of time that I was in that, that role, you know, I didn't take it for the right reasons. And I think that kind of piggybacking what you were just saying there, Swagger, is that you got to get that figured out. You got to take, you got to do the job for the right reason. And that's where I think the correction of the poor leadership comes in is to make sure we have people on board doing it for the right reasons. Yeah, I've got that. I do have that listed for when we start diving into this for sure. And I, you know, before we dive into all these traits, I think, I think Swagger's a lot like me and just kind of covering the whole Sergeant Zeke thing. For me, if you earn my respect and you've got a title to your name, it doesn't matter whether you leave, you retire, you you resign, or you demote yourself, you're always going to be that position to me. So, like, you're going to continue to be Sergeant Zeke. I've got people out there that have been promoted that have retired, and they're always going to be Sergeant or Lieutenant or Corporal or whatever it is. So, No, I... <clears throat> We've, we've got two former captains that I still refer to as captain if I see them out on the street. So, I mean, and yeah. they haven't been in for a decade, you know, so. Yeah, it's no different than, you know, if, you know, if you go out, you've ever coached athletic. Yeah. And you run into one of the kids you've coached, you know, they still call you coach, you know, because yeah. that's yeah. what you were they to do. them. They do. You're so, right. Which is kind of a positive impact which on is their life. Kind of a trait of a good leader, if you if you ask me. Yes. Let's let's just dive into it then. Let's start. Let's do it. Let's start covering traits of good leaders, and I think to get we got to get this one out of the way because it's the biggest one. Obviously, a good leader needs to have sexual stamina because because <laughs> they're gonna have everyone trying to suck their asshole all day long, and if they can't hold up, then it's gonna be a disappointment to everyone. So this is the comedian side of this one. And... <laughs> oh man, the icebreaker. I mean, if yeah. you can't go four rounds in a day, just don't take the promotion. <laughs> oh <my God>. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta have a sandwich in there at some point. Turk signing <laughs> off, folks. All right. Well, <laughs> 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 oh man. It was really great getting the sergeant on, getting his input on a lot of stuff. We covered a whole lot of topics about good leadership. And it just wouldn't be the spinning our gears podcast if we didn't initiate him a little bit so that's where the joke had to come in like swagger said we had to break the ice a little bit but leave it to us we can never have an episode that's completely serious the whole way through eventually a sex joke is going to get made here or there and (laughs) i guess it would be a bit of an irony that the next episode we dove into was all about sex just pop smoke and get the fuck out (laughs) Oh man, that's funny because that that I didn't know where that was going. You started talking about that. I'm going, oh no, 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 no. <laughs> we 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 really thought a kid was getting beat. Like that's yeah. just the way that it sounded. And how close nope. were you to kicking that door in? Pretty close. Yeah, I bet. We we were very close because the, the what kind of makes you the hair on the back of your neck stand up as a cop is when you hear something like that going on and you go to make contact and now no one wants to answer the door. Right. You you think someone inside is in danger. Extremely. So. Yeah. That would have oh god, especially well, kids, I, man. You know, I'm like, so glad we didn't kick the door, and I'm so glad they came to the door because, fuck that. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it would have been a little awkward. Yeah, just leave yeah, it that. yeah, it been a little awkward for you. We would have we would have ruined someone's day for sure. Yeah, so <clears throat> kind of funny because <clears throat> my next story. Sorry, I gotta 
bit of a cough. I'm, I'm actually fine. I'm not sick. I'm just, uh, you know, a little thirsty, I think. Did um, you get that COVID test for this episode? I didn't. I'm sorry. Oh, fuck. I, I didn't know I needed to. I told you, I told you <laughs> I, at least oh. two episodes ago, I'm going to require a COVID test for us to record remotely because, yeah, oh. for reasons. <laughs> I'm sorry, I apologize. I've learned my <laughs> Oh Jesus. Um no, so back to uh the topic here, because you you're talking about walking around in apartments looking in the windows, seeing if you can see people smoking dope. Well, me and another rookie, he was a rookie at the time, got sent to a like a welfare check for like a teenage kid at a house. Yeah. Yeah. Was, this house was like a split foyer home, right? Okay. Yeah. We get there, the house in the upper level is all dark. And on the lower level, uh, the lights are on and I'm like, Oh shit. Okay. Somebody, somebody might be home. So the rookie, you know, I'm like, Hey, check, watch the windows, check the windows. I'm going to watch up here, see if anybody's moving. <clears throat> and so I'm like, Oh, I'm going to about, you know, I'm like, I'm just telling him, I'm like, I'm going to knock on the door. Well, he freaking goes like the window blinds are open and I'm about like literally second he goes he goes swagger swagger he's laughing his ass off he's there's a dude in there beating off <laughs> oh. and i'm like no fuck and uh so i i should never have looked but i did i look and there's this big guy just going to fucking town dude and i'm like no like that shit you can't unsee you know right like, oh no 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 so we're both laughing our ass off man i'm like trying to get composure, gain composure, trying not to make a bunch of noise. Cause we don't know what we still have. It's the welfare check on a kid. Yeah. And, uh, like a teenager and like, shit, dude, I was like, we still got to fucking try to make contact with somebody. Yeah. So I knock on the door and he is not watching the dude any longer for whatever reason. And the guy ends up fucking answering the fucking door. This, this big guy who we literally just caught beating off. And I'm like, awkward. <laughs> turtle dude like <laughs> and so and it, it all turned out the crazy thing about it was is green party gave the wrong fucking address oh so we totally interrupted this fucking dude from having a really good day <laughs> so a nice happy ending <laughs> my oh my god <laughs> my my next story has to do with the welfare check but you telling this story just reminded me of several other fucking stories. That, oh, like, yeah, I could go into. Were you on the SWAT team yet? When we served that warrant, we booted the door open and the guys in the couch cranking it. No, I haven't heard this one. Okay. So, well, I mean, that was the, we, we go to serve this search warrant on a person who's got charges for probation violation. He was on, he was on probation for assaulting multiple officers on one call. And when they kick the door in, he's on the couch butt naked facing the front door just going to town <laughs> and they 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 had canine we had canines on that search warrant because we knew he had a violent tendency to assault officers he almost got his little dick bit off yeah because he refused to to let go and put his hands up <laughs> that would like, hurt oh god dude like what are you doing the canine um, out with the 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 rod, the shell, oh, like, like the episode <laughs> of South Park. The body. Yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I said earlier that the Dosa Chemo episode would be the one to play to anyone if you wanted to know what Spinning Our Gears podcast is all about. But 
Apparently, the Spinning Our Cures podcast is all about dongs, big guys and big dongs. <laughs> you might, uh, you might hear another story related to dongs later on in this episode. I, I don't know how we keep getting on that topic, but we do. Now, the story you just heard Swagger talk about, he he ruined a guy's very peaceful, very happy day. Ruined his happy ending, if you will, which is kind of a douchey move. And could we be returning to another episode about douchebags? Why, yes, we were. Now, at this point in the podcast, we didn't have the restrictor plate taken off. It's still on. However, we got to swap it out for one that was a little bit smaller. We got to open that throttle up a little bit more. I think if you pay real close attention, you'll see what I'm talking about in these next couple of clips from our episode, which was called Douchebag Protection Agency. Well, I again, <laughs> I, I, we're so painted into a corner here because we can't give specifics on some of the stories that we know. But like, like you said, there are some young people out there. There are some young guns that would make great leaders but they keep getting beaten down and beaten down. And when they finally, I don't want to say grow a pair, but finally are willing to stand up for themselves and push back or file a complaint or file a lawsuit or, or even just verbally say, this isn't right. They get knocked down again while that protected douche comes out looking Scott clean. Yeah. And at a, at a certain point you get to the point where I'm not going to stand up for myself anymore because it's not worth it. I'm just going to show up. I'm going to collect a paycheck and I'm going to go home. Yeah. And that's part of the big problem. That is 100% spot on because that is how you feel. I mean, I, I know people, you know, personally, I I also know people, uh, you know, outside of the agency we've came from and stuff like that. But Mm -hmm. you, once you learn real quickly that you're not going to have support because you're just going to get pushed down, it turns into a, well, I don't know, you know, what the, what the point is. And you're trying to fight for the whole reason why you got into law enforcement in the first place. Mm-hmm. And that is to continue to help people, but it's hard to help you don't have the support or backing from your own, your own agency, you know? So what do you do? You ride around in a fucking car for eight to 12 hours a day and do nothing, you know? And you're like, because you don't, you don't want to get in trouble. You know, you're like, shit, if I get in trouble, I'm a douche yep. and the writing's on the wall. So or the other part of it is when you're trying to stand up for your brothers and sisters and you've got five, 10, 15, 20 of them you're trying to stand up for, but all of a sudden now you have to defend yourself and you're getting your face pushed down in the mud. I think it's a tactic that so many of these protected douchebags and protected admins know and employ pretty heavily. Because it be, it creates that separation among the ranks. Yeah. And if I'm protecting myself, I can't protect you 20. And you kind of have to look out for yourselves also. They, right. they know that a unified front is a bad thing. Yeah, it is exactly what is wrong right now in the mainstream media. It is. Their, yeah. It's, it's, they're fucking dividing us every single day. That's what they're doing. That's what China wants them to do. That's what Russia wants them to do. Because, you know, the United States of America together... It, you can't fucking beat us you know right. there's no doubt about it there's nobody here they could all the whole world could team up and it wouldn't but divided absolutely because mm-hmm. then we're going to fight each other and they're just going to sit over there and laugh them you know our brothers and sisters because that's what this job is the mm-hmm. brotherhood and the sisterhood the best and if they need anything absolutely fucking reach out to us because like i'm not gonna you know i have no issue with anybody minus those four 
people. <laughs> well, and you know, we could we could probably spew off for another hour and a half about the mental health side of things, but yeah, let's let's bring this full circle again. And uh, we've said multiple times our goal with this podcast is to make the profession better moving forward. What do you think it takes to get rid of or unprotect these douches? Oh fuck, dude. Uh, I would say, you know, getting the group together and freaking not really, and obviously don't pitchforks and you know, <laughs> like, you're not going out on a witch hunt, but, uh, but you almost have to, you know, address them. You almost have to face to face them and mm-hmm. say, Hey, listen, this is some bullshit, but you got to do it together. You can't yeah. do it like one person. Like we've tried that. It didn't fucking work. And we know others that have tried that. Yeah. And it didn't work. Um, so, but I mean, that kind of like we said at the beginning, like we're painted into a corner here because I could tell you, you know, exactly how to do it, but it probably wouldn't be ethical and it probably wouldn't be legal. <laughs> uh, so I'm not going to say that, but <laughs> what are our comrades at? <laughs> trying to insurrect anything here. Like, Jesus. <laughs> um, but my point is, you know, you, have, you, have, you pretty much have to just band together, I think, mm-hmm. and, and take that common front and move it forward. And, you know, there's different ways you can do it, but, you know, we've tried ways they didn't work really banding together and understanding that, you know, and the hard part about that, I think though, is, is that the ones that are being protected as well, that are part of like the, the core group that are like the actual line personnel, like, mm-hmm. you gotta, you gotta figure out and with you yeah, you cut them out because they're not going to help you anyway. And actually they're probably going to be like the mole yeah, and they're going to spew the shit to the other side. Yep. So, um, not in the positive form, you know, it's kind of just be like, Oh yeah. Kind of like an informant, you know, mm-hmm. they're just going to spill the shit, you know? Oh, so. Well, it, it's, it's amazing what gets told over drinks. Oh yeah. Right? Yeah. So, I think I'd have to wholeheartedly agree with you. I think one, you have to be unified. And then two, I think you have to keep that pressure up. Yeah. And like you, like you said, not pitchforks and flamethrowers and shit like that, but just being vocal and not backing down and no one person is going to do it. Like you said, again, this is kind of repeating everything you just said, but yeah, one, one person is not going to get it done because there's too many protected douches who are unified. Yep. So if you can start to get a group that starts making noise and start, it stays vocal and they, you know, consistently push back against the bullshit. And then if they have to take it to another level, go to city council, go to, maybe the media i don't know anything like that just continue to put the pressure on until these individuals either leave or realize it's not worth it anymore we were wrong let's fix the problem right and i mean if you're part of a union you you have a voice like you see it all the time like you obviously you can't go on strike or whatever but Mm -hmm. you still have a voice you have a collective voice uh to voice your concerns of these issues and, and you should, like, you absolutely should bring the attention to, you know, the city manager or, or, you know, the council, like you said, because, you know, hopefully they'll listen to you because mm-hmm. what it's doing is it's, you know, I, I'm all part, you know, prior military, you know, chain of command, this stuff and another, but that fucking chain of command breaks like most of the time. I will mm-hmm. promise you that and there's, it's a, I get the ideology behind it. Um, you know, it's, it's. I get why, you know, you don't want your kids to run right to dad or then try to spin it and run it right to mom instead after dad said no. Mm-hmm. But 
if something's not getting done, or at least it's not reaching the the channel that it's supposed to reach, there's a problem there. You know, that's because somebody's dictating how this is going to go in between you and where it needs to get to. So sometimes you just have to band together and run that shit right to the fucking top. Yep. So. And and now what I would say, and I added a caveat to that is, if you've got a union, you've got a voice, but you can't just put it on your president or your vice president's shoulders. Right. It's got to be that same unified front, and you have to go together as a collective union and say, we're not backing down. We're banded together. Looking back on that episode and just that clip, there's so much to break down really just over this past year, but also the message itself. You know, we we couldn't come out and say exactly what we wanted to. We still aren't able to come out and say exactly what we want to right now. We're getting there. We'll get there one day. We uh, we made the little joke there, obviously, about the comrades. For any of you out there that don't remember, there was a point in time, and maybe even today still, where we were getting listened in on. And the funny thing about the app that we use to push all these episodes out is that it shows us analytics, and it shows us where the listens are coming from. And when you have random listeners in Russia, in Newfoundland, in Australia you kind of have an idea of where it's actually coming from. Maybe someone out there using a VPN. But regardless, I keep talking about the fact that we had that restrictor plate reduced and we were able to kind of come out and say some more of the things that we actually wanted to say. We were able to put that throttle down a little bit harder. And that episode was a very real episode. We talked about some real topics and it wasn't quite the funny episode that we were used to. And... That led us into our next episode that, again, wasn't really a funny episode, but it got us back to our goals. In that last clip, you heard us talk about, you know, some of our goals and making the career field better. And at the end of the episode, I think we're going to we're going to put out our our newest our newest goal statement, if you will. But a big part of making this career field better is looking out for one another and looking out for one another's mental health, because in this career field, mental health plays a pivotal role millions out there who are living with it and you just don't know it at the time right yes and that you, you millions of people are going about their daily life capable of holding their employment continuing on even though they're struggling with this ptsd and um you know that they should seek help in any way that they can however mm-hmm. they don't because mm-hmm. of the you know the uh, the unfortunate black eye that law enforcement puts on people who have PTSD, you know, mm-hmm. and do that. Cause you gotta, you gotta help your, you gotta help your officers, your first responders, cause everybody's going to have it. I, I, I don't care if you're like the chief of police and right. you went to a bad call 20 years ago, that shit may fucking haunt you 20 years yep. down the road Yep. and it's going to hit you when you least expect it. Yeah. It's not the person. I mean, obviously the people who are like, you know, reclusing themselves inside have a, a very severe issue mm-hmm. um, with it, but it's not those necessarily. It's the the people who are out and about, you know, living amongst everybody, and it's okay to have mental health illnesses and things like that. Uh, they're still functioning and getting the job done. That if you come forward and you try to say, "Yeah, well, I have to go get help for the black eye on you," right, right. And and the thing is, what we have to understand is that this is this mental issue doesn't affect just one type of person 
It hits any age, any gender, sex, nationality, anything. You can be affected by it. One of the numbers that I pulled was that just one traumatic event in your life gives you a 20% chance of developing PTSD. And it's not it's not cumulative. So you don't if if I have five traumatic events, I'm going to have PTSD. That's not how it works out. But just understanding that it has one traumatic event has that big of an impact. And when we start pulling uh, some of these other numbers here in a second, you kind of start to realize why it's affecting first responders so much as well as military and and why we need to kind of get the help out there. Yeah, I I'm not going to lie. I'll be upfront and honest with everybody. Uh, you know, 15 years ago when I was still in the military, approximately that time, <laughs> I, you know, you mentioned PTSD and I was like, oh, you know, that's bullshit. That's just all made up fiction. You know, it's all just fake shit. And then I started to essentially just kind of experience certain things regarding PTSD that mm-hmm. kind of fell in line there. Oh, well, maybe that's that. Maybe it's not. I don't know. Um, and then, you know, certain things start to happen that you then start to realize, well, shit. Yeah. I mean, it just kind of depends on what it is, but, um, but the level that uh, the amount of people that are struggling or that have suffered from it, recover from it, then down the road, they end up having a relapse into it Yeah. of, of PTSD symptoms. They recovered and then they thought they were good and they, um, they, you know, it just happened out of nowhere. It's all based off of, from my understanding, you know, other stressors in your life, uh, mm-hmm. other situations that maybe you were put into. Um, so like in law enforcement, in the military or, or first responder, um, those situations can trigger those new situations can trigger old situations Yep, and it becomes like a domino effect of that issue. Well, so, so what I saw the uh, one website that I, that I looked at, it broke down the percentages of PTSD for citizens by, uh, classification of traumatic event and so i'm going to read these off real quick the Mm -hmm. first one was sex assault victims were 49 percent. sorry just lost my space there i gotta look it up again okay the sex assault victims were 49 percent likely to have ptsd physical assault victims 32 percent serious accident either victims or people who observed them like vehicle accidents 16.8 percent shooting and stabbing victims or those who saw it 15.4 percent Unexpected death, family members or those who viewed it, 14.3%. And then natural disaster victims or those who were affected by it, 3.8%. The thing is, there's a very common thread with that that I don't think your common citizen is going to understand. And that's that first responders deal with all of these. Yep. Your average citizen is going to see, I think, what, what's the number? Like two to three lifetime traumatic events in their entire life. Whereas a first responder is going to deal with, on average, 180 to 200 in their career. Like, mind-blowing. You know? that's, like, that's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you're, I mean, you know, just, I don't even know how to put that into words. Like, it just, it just shows where we go as first responders, what happens to us, what happens to our brains, and what kind of beats you down over time. Right. That's, I mean, that's a lot of traumatic events that you're, I mean, common knowledge. I mean, it's no secret to the American public or anybody that's in law enforcement that, you know, first responders respond to some really horrific things, Mm -hmm. Uh, just like the military sees really horrific things. This was a very, very impactful episode for both Swagger and I. Obviously, we knew mental health was a big thing in the career field and 
I mean, everyone is affected by it. I've had, you know, things that I've dealt with in the career field. I know Swagger has also, but seeing the specific numbers related to all of this stuff really, really made an impact with us and kind of a behind the scenes, as if this whole episode hasn't been behind the scenes, kind of a behind the scenes look. There was a lot going on about this time for Swagger and I, both personally and professionally, uh, starting new jobs, new career fields like that, but then also getting more and more input from listeners and from fans. I had several people reach out to me on this one, telling me about their stories, telling me how much this episode helped. But a little bit of a sidetrack, we also had notification from an officer at a a department, and I'm not going to name names or name departments, but told me how impactful this whole podcast has been to them. And how from the chief down, the entire department liked it. The entire department listened to the podcast. And they were actually at the point where like FTOs were having their rookies listen to this podcast as kind of required listening. And listening to it while driving around in the middle of the night. Big things, humbling things, things that I'm honored to say now that I never would have thought six months prior I would have been hearing. It was also about this point that we were contacted by the people over at the Risen Warrior Coffee Company and they said they loved our message and they wanted to be a part of it. They wanted to help us out. And just, you know, thinking that there was a company out there, a law enforcement family owned company that wanted to jump on board again, I'm going to keep using the same word over and over again because I don't have a thesaurus on me, but it was very, very humbling. I'm going to talk about those guys more a little bit here on the podcast. We obviously aren't going to get through a podcast without you know, bringing them up and doing an ad read, but we're going to save that for just a little bit. The biggest reason that we're going to wait on that is because I, I don't want the message of this last clip to be overlooked. It was very, very important to us. We titled that podcast, You're Not Alone. And that's true. If you're out there and you're battling demons, if you're having thoughts of hurting yourself, if Even if you're just having mental health issues that aren't related to suicide, aren't related to things like that, you are not alone. We're here for you. I can firmly say that Swagger and I, and I don't want to speak out of turn, but I'm fairly positive that Nick over the Roll Call Room podcast, we're here for you. We are here to do everything we can, and we are dedicated to making this career field the best that we can and towards helping law enforcement out with their mental health battles and their mental health demons. If you need help, if you're looking for help, or if you're just looking for advice, we are reachable. You can hit us up social media. You can hit us up on our websites. We will do what we can to get you where you need to be. That's no joke. That's no lie. It's a legitimate promise. This episode meant a lot to me, had an impact on me. And uh, to be quite frank, even deeper dive into the behind the scenes really kind of I was really kind of pissed off editing this episode Uh, the audio I almost feel like was the worst that it had been all year long and a lot of lagging we had a great message we wanted to put out there and then what happened I think the whole end of the podcast was cut off for whatever reason the recording stopped and we had to kind of piecemeal the ending together that really bothered me and I think it bothered Swagger too So we started really, really hunkering down, really getting serious. We knew that we had a message we wanted to put out there that was good. We had good content and we couldn't afford to 
put an episode out like we did with this one where the message was really, really good, but the audio quality was not. So we started doing some research. We started looking into how we can make it better. And we jumped in with two feet into a new way of recording. And I think the audio quality really showed with that in this next episode. Uh, not really the greatest segue, but this next episode was all about the Academy. So here you are. You look forward to. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a, it's a so. really bright time of your life to, to get through something that's going to challenge you. And, and then at the end of the day, when you're done with it, you know, you got to get to get your badge pinned on and and uh, hit the street and start your career in law enforcement. So obviously we'll probably touch base on kind of the different law enforcement uh, academies, maybe in the state of Iowa. Uh, but then also, you know, kind of comparing, you know, like public safety versus, you know, the, the state academy. And most state academies or I guess public safety academies are relatively militaristic from my understanding to a point. Yeah. So we'll touch on that and kind of give you some options. We were actually just talking about this, me and my, my new chief. Uh, we had a, we had an event, a community event the other day. Uh, we were talking to a couple officers that were in the like DNR water patrol and they are not certified police officers. They're just, you know, doing water patrol for the summer, like part-time or whatever. Um, kind of talking about, you know, venturing out and making sure that you ride along with every facet of law enforcement, you know, whether it's mm-hmm. local, state, uh, going to like DNR, going and checking out the county units, you know, maybe as much as you can with them and getting an understanding as to where you kind of fit in and where you want to be at and what you want to do. Cause they're all relatively different in their own way. So are those water patrol guys, those kind of like, uh, like reserve deputies that we have here in Iowa? Yeah, so it, uh, crazy, and it's we were talking about it that uh, they uh, they have to use the verbal judo quite a bit because they have no gun and they do have handcuffs and stuff like that. But they're they're boat patrol. Um, they get out on the waterway and and uh, you know and enforce you know boat boat regulations, boat law, boating laws. But yeah, they're not. <laughs> some of them aren't armed, and so I was like Jesus, you know. But they use yeah, the I- use the verbal judo, I guess. I have it on good authority that uh, that those guys can affect arrests, and uh, if you interfere with an investigation, they can affect an arrest on you. Yeah, well, I've, I've, <laughs> I've heard that to be the case. <laughs> Even if you don't, they didn't need so. <laughs> didn't need the academy, but they can pull that off. Yep, and that so. will that will stick with you for a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like a decade or more. <laughs> I, I think probably the, <laughs> probably the rest of your life. <laughs> Anywho, let's pop smoke. <laughs> well, that is one thing though. You are going to run into some people that are just not cut out for the job. Right. And you know, maybe they had a really good interview somewhere or maybe the agency was just that hard up for officers, but it, you don't want to be a dickhead to them and like ignore them the whole Academy, but you also don't want to like, like, you know, maybe some of them are good people and you can be friends with, but some of them you can tell are not there for the right reasons. And you're going to want to distance yourself from that because you don't want to start off your career associated with something like that, I guess is what I want to say. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. <clears throat> so like, you know, having a train run on you in a bathroom. Oh, Jesus. Probably is an indicator that you shouldn't be a police officer. No. Yeah, no, don't do that. 
that, that that's like <laughs> that's like rule number one when you get to the academy is is we're you know I think we're covering a lot of rules here today, but rule number one is like don't do anything, don't fornicate with anybody, <laughs> you know, uh, stay away from that, and then they just don't do that. And I think that is the first rule that is said to everybody there because it never turns out well for anybody. Yeah, there are some definite rules you have to follow much like we talked about earlier with the rookies maybe keeping it in your pants is one of them we were kind of at this point modifying how we were doing doing podcasts doing the episodes and i don't think we're ever going to stop modifying or evolving i think if you want to get better like our goal is you're gonna have to continue to do that we kind of found this little niche of having comedy but also pushing out relevant information and this one was a little bit funnier, which was good. Uh, the previous ones had been a little more serious. And we kind of felt like the next step we wanted to take was have a little more of a laid-back episode, a little more of a funny episode, and still put information out there, relevant information, but, again, kind of kick the boots off and just hang out, have a conversation, tell some stories, kind of like we did the first episodes. We had quite a bit of fun with this next episode because... It was a topic that some cops love, some cops really dread, and what it really just boils down to is who's in your passenger seat. See, and I'm just kind of envisioning that if it was through at Icarus and he gets in the car with you and goes, so what's it like working here? And you just stare at him and blink repeatedly, <laughs> and then he just gets out of the car and leaves. And then you go in and tell the supervisor, yeah, he just left. Hey, you say anything to him. Ah. Oh. Do you really want me to answer that question? Yeah. Jeez. All right. <laughs> so, so what's the world of police like? Well. <laughs> Do you want what it's supposed to be like? I'm going to need you to fill out this paperwork five times over. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to so, go out back. I'm going to kick you in the nuts and call you lots of names. <laughs> Do you want to visit with your family ever? Yeah. <laughs> No, perfect. You're the right guy for the job. <laughs> Do you want to eat at all the old restaurants you used to eat at? <laughs> Do you want to, you know, ride around and worry about whether or not somebody's spitting your food? Right. <laughs> Do, you, Do you want to see someone on the street every day and go, I think I know that guy, but I don't know how? <laughs> I'm pretty sure I arrested that person. <laughs> Do you want uh, a constant case of IBS? <laughs> terrible eating habits <laughs> what right. do you got for me what do you got for uh, bad writers oh i was like we got to move on we're kind of stuck on this this is <laughs> we're really spinning our gears on this one no so that was kind of one of the things that i was touching on just bad writer stuff was uh you know the how to act but then like you said giving them kind of like a set guidelines of rules and things that mm-hmm. they can get out of the car on that they can and cannot do. Obviously, don't let them get involved in any of your calls if you're an officer working. And as a writer, do not yes. try to in- interject yourself is one of the things I have written down. You know, Don't say anything because you talking is not going to help the situation at all. So, you know, just making sure that, you know... You- you haven't been trained in verbal judo. You may be like a per, you know, like a, a perfect decent person that you know knows what to say, but mm-hmm. as a writer, um, there's nothing really that's positive that can really come out of anything that you're gonna you're gonna say to help the matter. 
and I don't want to get you put in a situation or get us put in a situation where we're having to fight somebody because you said something. So it's best just to keep your mouth shut. And listen. Well, ironic, ironically, I have that one written down too. I've experienced uh, an intern who had to get talked to by a supervisor because would just randomly wander out of the squad car before he was told that he could by the officer. And for the officers out there listening, if you've never had a rider, I'm sure it's few and far between, but for those of you who have not, it's basically like having a toddler with you at all times that you are responsible for. You're responsible for their safety and their presence, and you have to know where they are. Don't let them go get lost, because I've seen that too. Yeah, and that is, it's a huge responsibility as an officer um, to to make sure that they're safe, and and that part of it does kind of suck, I mean, really, because you're, you're essentially responsible for one more person that that's not yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a lot. I mean, I don't know if anybody's ever tried to like care for anybody. Well, obviously we have in law enforcement try to care for anybody else, but I mean that you're trying to protect two people that becomes a, you know, a lot, a lot harder than a lot of people think it is. Yeah. So especially I, so, when they're not armed and they have no way to defend themselves, you're really having to defend two people instead of one is what I'm trying to say. Well, like the, the one instance that I know of was, it was like a structure fire and, the intern just wandered off. And so all of a sudden, all of the officers on scene were like, where did the intern go? And it was like a manhunt trying to figure, you know, like your mind starts going to the worst place. And he was just, this guy was just a gomer and just wandered off to go look at something. But oh, like, Jesus. Fuck. <laughs> he went in to save people. Yeah. He's in the yeah. fire dragging bodies out. <laughs> Who the hell brought Superman? God. <laughs> Cause I know I'm no Superman. Yeah, sorry about that. I promise I won't sing anymore. I do it enough around my kids and annoy them, so I won't put you all through that anymore. Now, as we continue to evolve, we thought it would be a really good idea to have a little more fan interaction in our next few episodes. So we went to social media and we asked some kind of blanket questions and just kind of trying to solicit ideas and questions from the fans on what they might have, what they might want to know about certain topics. And wouldn't you know it, the first uh, the first interaction we had, the first response we had, were from these guys. Ho, ho, ho. Hey, everyone. It's Turk Claus here checking to see if anyone's been naughty or nice. You know, the temperatures are dropping worse than a county deputy with a pack of long cuts, and the holiday season is firmly upon us. But you don't have to worry one bit about the dropping temperatures or what to get everyone for the holiday season. And that's because the people over at Risen Warrior Coffee have got the answer for you. The Risen Warrior Coffee Company is a quality, family-owned business that offers a wide variety of the best coffee out there. With flavors like Lights and Sirens and Guardians of the Night, you can't go wrong. But what's even better is right now, for a limited time, they've released their holiday coffee. I'm talking flavors like Sugar Cookie, Caribbean Christmas, and Reindeer Crunch. And uh, just between you and me, I heard they use real genuine reindeer. Nothing like that knockoff reindeer crap we make up here at the North Pole. And as a bonus Christmas gift, if you use code Turk and Swagger at checkout, that's Turk with the N sign Swagger at checkout, you get 10% off your first order. With all these flavors of coffees at a great price, you can't go wrong. So head on over to www.risenwarriorcoffee.com now. No, I'm serious. There's no better time than right now to go over there. Hit pause in the podcast, go to your internet browser, type in www.risenwarriorcoffee.com, go back to the podcast, click play, 
then go back to risenwarriorcoffee.com and look at all the flavors they have. All right, now that you've done that, I'm going to go look for Blitzen. He uh, went missing about the same time that they put their holiday flavors out. Hey, uh, Mrs. Claus, we might have an issue. All right, we're almost out of the holiday season. You won't have to hear me going ho, ho, ho anymore. I've now sung to you all, sung, sang, singed. Not sure the right word there, but you all have heard me sing lyrics now on this episode, and you've heard me say ho, ho, ho once again. I promise the next one, although it might still be some fun, will not be the holiday ad read. But I'm not going to go into exactly what the question was that we had from the Risen Warrior guys, but it did have to relate to canines, and that was what the whole next episode was about, was me being the former canine handler answering all your questions about canines and it was quite a good time well i guess the question that you know we kind of have is um at what point in a patrol officer's career do you feel that they would be ready to have a canine is it a couple years is it you know 10 years you know approximately like how long do you long do you think in your career that you probably need to wait to even put in for one you know that's that's difficult to say and i i should probably put that little disclaimer on all these i'm I'm sure that all these are going to be difficult to answer directly because there's all those variables but i would say you probably don't want to start looking into getting a canine until you're somewhere between year three and five sure i think that kind of boils down to you know we've talked about before you don't really start feeling like you're in your groove as a patrol officer until those years you don't want to stack on being a canine officer and all the responsibilities that come with that until then Right. Okay. And that's, um, you know, that's something that's that's real difficult too. If it's something you want to do and you're at a department that maybe they're hurting for officers or they're hurting for people that want to be a canine handler, they might want to offer it to you in your first year or your second year. I've known guys that have gotten them in their first year and their second year. It's not a good idea. It's It's just not, it's not going to help you out. And it's, you're not going to have as fulfilling of a canine career if you do it that soon. Become a good patrol officer first, and then you can be a canine handler. Right. Yeah, we're not trying to discourage anybody who's in year one, two, or three. Um, you know, it's if if they need somebody to do it, or at least you're going to show interest that you're interested in it, it would be a huge thing to show the command staff that, you know, hey, I would like to be considered at some point. So mm-hmm. don't not put in for it, but don't get pissed off if you don't get it when you're competition is guys that are you know in year five or whatever well and it doesn't hurt to say hey i'm interested in this position but i don't think that i'm ready for it yet i think that goes a lot farther than someone who puts in for it when everyone knows they're not ready way to sum it up really this was told to me by another handler is that it's the most frustrating yet most rewarding thing you can do at a police department or sheriff's office or whatever but just the little wins that you're going to get are so rewarding and the big wins are too. But then there's going to be days where the dog just doesn't want to work and you can't get him to work or you're going to come in and your administration is going to want you to do something really, really silly with the dog that you're going to have to decide whether or not you're going to stick up for yourself and the dog and, and stick with the policy to the letter of the policy, or if you're going to go with what the admin says, because it's what's going to make your life easier. But it's going to be frustrating and it's going to be rewarding at the same time. And that episode was a lot of fun for me. It was really cool to get to sit back and answer your guys' questions and 
really feel like I had a grasp of of the answers and really knew what I was talking about. I don't want to say that, you know, we didn't know what we talked about with the other previous episodes, but this one I really kind of felt like was in my wheelhouse, which was really, really cool. Even though I got kind of thrown off from some of the curveballs that were thrown in the questions, namely one or two from a certain coffee sponsor called Risen Warrior Coffee. <laughs> but it really was cool to get to answer some of those questions and and be in my wheelhouse, I guess, is what I'm trying to get at. But going from that episode to the next episode, we felt that it was only right to cover a topic that was in Swagger's wheelhouse and that you know he could handle a little better than I could. He got to ask all the questions for the Canon episode, so I got to ask some questions for this next one. And another landmark for us, we got to bring on a second guest to this episode, another good friend of ours from our old apartment. Uh, he goes by the name Miggs. And we got to hear quite the story from old Migs. But if you guys can look back on your service, what was, specifically boot camp, what was one of your favorite and one of your least favorite experiences or memories from that? Oh, I'll go first. My least favorite experience. um, So it was, it was the first night we got there. Um, uh, So we... When you when you get to Lackland, um, they kind of separate you out between where where what squadron you go to and what flight you're getting into. Um, and we got to our dorm, and the first night you get there, um, you take a shower and you shave. Um, so the drone instructor, you're, I was scared shitless at the point. Like I said, I was 18 years old, straight out of high school, not not well versed in life by by any means. Um, and they have us had everyone get butt ass naked and this dude across from me like had the biggest dong i've ever seen on a dude and this guy he couldn't have been more than <laughs> five foot five i know you opened this or kind of going full circle like you said with somebody with a big dong this was that was that guy with the big dog he was he looked like a rat but it was just massive so we all go running into the showers, and I just remember standing across from this dude, butt-ass naked, and this dude's just got a huge schlong, and then we go running into the showers. We had like a minute for 40 get dudes to get showered, shave, and come back and uh, get you know to our, back to our bunks or whatever. So I remember looking at this dude going, oh my god, that guy's got a massive cock. What the hell? And why am I looking at it? So then we go to the shower. We come back. And this dude next to me, um, he was an African-American guy. And he had real bad acne on his uh, on his cheeks and, like, on his um, – along his jawline. Well, we're supposed to shave while we're in the showers. And he cut the fuck out of his face. I mean, he was just bleeding everywhere. And I, I, I don't know how – it was just kind of shock and awe at that point between the the massive dinger and the dude bleeding next to me. That was probably the worst. <laughs> the first night was the obviously the worst, and then it got it got better from there. But that was just like I said, it was, it was shock and awe the first night for this guy. I I was a little concerned you were going to say that he had acne all over his cock. <laughs> no, <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> I was like, well, oh no. <laughs> Oh, man. I think they well, call before, it herpes. Before we go to Swagger. <laughs> <laughs> I told you guys, you'd probably hear another story about a massive donger. I really don't know how we keep getting to the topic of it. Uh, 
apparently this podcast is about mental health and leadership and big old dongs. I guess maybe we're going to have to find a way to rework our goals for 2023. But yeah, never thought. (laughs) There's a lot of things that I said I've never thought, but I never thought that I would have a guest in the podcast that would be talking about dongers and that Swagger and I would want to have back on the podcast one day. But we definitely would. Migs, if you're listening, you're welcome on the show anytime. And that really brings us to our latest episode, one of the last episodes we did this year. And it was kind of a big full circle, which is really remarkable if you think about it. We started off green as all get out, nervous as all get out, and given the opportunity to be on someone else's podcast, someone that we were a big fan of, we got to be big fanboys of, and that person helped us out a ton by having us on their podcast, something they didn't have to do. The whole full circle thing was we got to bring Nick on our podcast. Again, I keep saying things like humble and and impactful, and I keep saying that I never would have thought I would said this, but I really never would have thought a year prior to now that I would be saying I got to interview Nick Ruggiero from the Roll Call Room podcast. Nick was a big, big inspiration to Swagger and I, and I, I know that we've both listened to every single one of his episodes in between us being on his podcast and then this interview, every time one would be released on his side of things, Swagger would text me or I would text him and go, oh my God, you see, there's another one out. So we were absolutely fanboys first. And luckily, I think I get to say it, and again, I don't want to speak out of turn, but I think that Swagger and I have created a real friendship with with Nick. And yeah, I guess just enough blabbering. We're going to jump into this one, this latest episode that we had. We still had quite a few laughs, but it also took a little more of a serious tone. We kind of got more down to business, if you will. Ask you this because you and I talked about, uh, you know, like getting that phone call from work or being called into your boss's office and having that immediate anxiety. Oh yeah. And your your boss kind of being like, "Hey, what do they do to you? Do you did you find that you needed to make a conscious effort to not be as negative at this new place?" Well, so yeah, and and it's and thank you for bringing that up because that's a big part. When I when I left law enforcement, there were some deep deep scars. My current boss that I work with, who is the epitome of great leadership, um, he's he's from up north, so he kind of he's been around law enforcement before. But there would be periods of time when I first got hired where he would text me and say, "Hey, give me a call right away." And immediately, when I say that out loud, you two must be thinking to yourself, holy shit, what's going on? And that's how I was. And so I called him and I was like, hey, what's up? What did I screw up? And he's like, dude, what's going on with you? And I'm like, like, well, you know, you have to understand where I came from. And he's like, I I just want to tell you great job on on the thing that you did yesterday, blah, blah, blah. And we talked. We probably talked for about two, three hours and he said exactly what you said. He was like, he was like, Nick, what the fuck did they do to you over there? Oh, and yeah. I was like, you have no idea. Um, when when you get a text message or your phone goes off and it's from work, you're not thinking about, hey, I'm about to get an award, or hey, my boss is gonna, you know, give me a commendation. It's all negative shit. It's all right you know, pounding it into you. And that's a form of PTSD that you're just not prepared for when you leave and go to the private sector. Um, Yeah, I I will definitely say that Swagger in my old department at Icarus, even if it was just a fellow officer calling, 
you had anxiety because you knew it wasn't good news. Right. Big time. Um, Big time. But I, I guess I will say at the new department that I'm at now, I kind of had that anxiety come in when I would get a phone call and it was actually, it was, it was good stuff. It wasn't bad. It was either just someone wanting to catch up and talk or yeah. having some sort of info, but it wasn't, Hey, call me now because I'm about to stick it in your butt. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so much so, I mean, you can throw a fucking hot dog down the hallway. That's how big <laughs> they get. But, but you go, and this is kind of funny because everything you're saying is 100% spot on. And, uh, and I'm sitting back here and I'm going, God dang it. He's saying everything that I've experienced. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> so, so I don't even have to alone. say it anymore. I'm not saying it. You said it for me. So and we haven't talked. Well, I haven't and, talked and to you. Yeah. No, you're time. not alone. And that's the thing is you're not alone. Your listeners are not alone. Um, now more than ever, like I said, they're not alone. The things that you're experiencing, the things that are at your agency are not one off. It's not specific to your agency. It was happening at what my wife's agency, which was mm-hmm. uh, two miles up the road from my agency. Two completely different agencies, the same bullshit. I'm still in touch with my old agency. I'm in touch with other agency. It's the same shit everywhere, everywhere it's going on. Um, and I'd like to say that it's going to get better. It's not. It's it's nope. it's actually going in the reverse direction. Yep. I well, like you, you like say to that. Say, yeah. You say that, and I, you know, I sit here and I have like you know we've talked. You you got people reaching out to you from your old agency. They reach out to me. They reach out to Turk, and it's like, hey, it is not going to get any better. And I hate to tell people that, you know, because it's one of those things that's just like, as a police officer, you want to always instill the hope, you know, but yeah. it is not. And, and seeing people move from a, that agency to a new agency and be successful has brought me so much joy in life. Uh, just yep. seeing them be happy and so forth. It, uh, it hands down is one of the best things ever. Yeah. I, and I agree with you. I, I love to see people uh, doing better. I like to see them 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 growing and developing but i am a big big proponent right now of branching out and finding your worth and if that means outside of law enforcement i am a huge advocate for that absolutely Um, i i I tell folks all the time there's no shame in walking away and trying something different and doing something that benefits you and your family uh, when you're living paycheck to paycheck and there's too much bullshit wrapped up in it, it's not worth it. Not at all. Um, so, you know, the years the years that we had that were really, really good where people loved us, you know, after 9-11 and all that other stuff, those days are, are, are far, far behind us. And, and unfortunately, I don't see them coming back. The political climate is changing. Laws are changing that are not benefiting law enforcement. Um, so, you know, two years ago, I would have told you that we're about three, four years away from change. Now I'll tell you that we're probably six, seven years away from change. Mm-hmm. And that's being bigger. very, very mild. That's being generous too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, it, it's sad. We have to hold out hope because it is, it can be an amazing, incredible profession. Yeah. yeah. It has all those core values but we've got to do something about it. We have to fix it. We have to stop getting bent over a barrel and start standing up for ourselves, find that camaraderie, find that voice, find that worth like you talked about, and make the change that needs to happen so we can get back there. It, 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 
it only hurts us by saying, well, it's six years down the line. That's a six-year problem. It's our problem in six years because then it's going to become a 10, 15, 20-year problem. Yep. We got to start making that change today. Yeah, and it starts, it starts with one good agency, one good leader, finding that one good agency that has a good leader, good reviews, good people inside of it, good, good camaraderie. That was another awesome episode for Swagger and I, another awesome experience for us. Something that had we not started this thing, we never would have got to do. And, you know, we look forward to talking with Nick Moore and either being on his podcast some more or him coming on ours and and just kind of growing in what we're trying to get done. And I think that last episode that we did, you really, you really got to see the connections and the issues that are being faced amongst all law enforcement officers out there, not just, not just Icarus, not just the police department that he came from, but really across the nation. And I don't want to put that blanket on, on every single police department and every single sheriff's office across America. There are some really great departments out there. I feel like I'm at one right now. Yeah, the grass isn't always greener, but sometimes there's just grass. In this case, I think that the grass is looking pretty good. Well, right now the grass is covered by snow, and I might not be seeing it for six months, but I think once I do, it'll be pretty good. We had an awful lot of fun in 2022. I feel like we came a long way in that year, and all I can say is we've got a lot planned for next year. We've got a lot of things on the horizon, and I hope all of you are excited to hear that because I'm excited to say it. I don't want to give out any spoilers or you know, make any promises that might, might fall through because of things like snow or sickness or court or anything like that. But we've got topics planned that I think are going to mean a lot to you guys. I think are important to get out there. Um, we've got guests lined up or that we're trying to get lined up, I guess, that I think are going to be a great time. We're going to have a lot of fun. We're also going to get a lot of, a lot of important information put out. Like I said, at the beginning of the episode, there might be an Alpha Charlie to start off the year if I can bring myself to have enough courage to record it. It's going to be one that's going to challenge y'all, and I think the message is going to be important. Might step on some toes, which, speaking of toes, <laughs> don't forget that the toes that you step on on the way to the top are connected to the asses you have to kiss on the way back down. But overall, I really just I look forward to it. I look forward to the episodes in the horizon whether it be full-on episodes, whether it be episodes with guests or more Alpha Charlies. I look forward to continuing our relationship with guys like Zeke and Migs and, and Nick over the Roll Call Room, as well as the people we've associated ourselves with, Emery Hart and Risen Warrior Coffee. I talked earlier in the year about Double Tap Designs and, and getting some products out there like stickers and things like that. The launch of that had to kind of take a back seat, had to kind of get slowed down a little bit. But we're very, very helpful that in 2023, we're going to be able to get that out there. And you guys will see some pretty cool stuff coming that way as well. As we start to look towards the holiday season, I'm fairly confident this episode will be out by Christmas Eve. But as we start to look towards the holiday season, you look towards New Year's. And obviously the big thing with New Year's is making resolutions and setting goals for the next year. I know Swagger and I both have a lot of personal and professional goals set for next year. With the podcast, I think a big one that we have is we'd like to be a little more consistent with our episodes. Again, just like the one that we had planned for today, 
certain things are going to get in the way things like unforeseeable things weather injuries sickness what have you just being in law enforcement with a law enforcement schedule could affect that hopefully though we can get episodes out every couple of weeks that will be 26 episodes for the year 2023 and i think we can really obtain that so what i would ask is that you as fans hold us to it hold our feet to the fire there i truly think that next year has the potential of being an awesome year and i think that we can all go out there and be great we can all be awesome and we can all be better i think just kind of bringing this episode full circle into a close it's a good point to talk about our goal or our mission statement or whatever you want to call it i think that it's morphed slightly since the launch of this podcast but it's still pretty well rooted in what we originally thought and our goal is to make this profession better not only for the police officers and the law enforcement that serve in this profession but also the communities that we serve i think this podcast has a really good chance of doing that i'll never forget when sergeant zeke sat me down and he talked about how he thought this podcast had the potential to be very powerful and that swagger and i shouldn't forget that and we don't plan on forgetting that if it ever seems like we're starting to sway get on us put us in our place because we want to see not only this podcast succeed but all the listeners to this podcast succeed as well we are really looking forward to next year and all that it can bring all of those things on the horizon that we talked about i think to close this one out it would be remiss to not say all of you guys working over this holiday season please know that we're thinking of you some of us are going to be working alongside you uh, please know that we love you, that you're not alone in your patrol car. Please stay safe. Get home safely to your families. Enjoy the holidays as best you can. Those of you that have the holidays off, cherish it. We all know that in this career field, it's never given. You might be working next holiday. You might be working next Christmas. So cherish the time that you have with your family. Enjoy these holiday seasons. Most importantly, stay safe because we'll all get through this together.